0: Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Out of the Question podcast. Today, we're going to look into the question... What's really happening at the border, and what should the Christian response be to the immigration issue? Now, depending on who you are and what political persuasion you have, you might have a character view of people who are coming into the U.S. Either they're needy people who are just wanting a better life, or they're drug dealers and human traffickers. And it's very easy to get caught in a polarizing propaganda war. And so I thought it might be a good time to talk with somebody who's right there. Pastor Ron Smith is the pastor of Church of the King in McAllen, Texas. For those of you who've been around Calcedon for a while, his church was the first place we had our 2013 Law and Liberty Tour events. And I actually think he ended up having two of them there. And he's about 10 miles from the border. And he has opportunity to see what's happening firsthand. And he's agreed to come on today and talk about the biblical response from God's word. So, Pastor Ron Smith, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about you, your church, how you how long you've been the pastor of that church, so we get a little bit of a context here.
0: Well, I started the church in uh, 2002, January of 2002. And uh, we are mostly Hispanic membership because the population here is probably uh, at least 90% Hispanic. And we started it from scratch. And we have the sermons translated into Spanish for those that can't speak English or that you know don't understand everything in English and so it helps to have it translated. We have a man in a in a, another room with mic and then we have those that can't speak English with headphones. So that's how that's how we translate it.
1: About how big is your church?
0: We have about 120 members and we're growing especially since the uh branch covidian cult arose. <laughs> Because we we're open, we don't require masks, and we had to disobey the judge, the county judge, that said we could only have ten people in church at a time, and we thought we'd better obey God rather than man. And so uh, I announced on the radio that we're open, and so last year, twenty twenty, was probably the best year we ever had.
1: Get Both any pushback for being open?
0: No, I guess. I don't know why, because I'm on the radio, secular radio with one minute spots where, uh, that's a very popular station. The one that's on, uh, that's, uh, that Rush Limbaugh was on
1: uh-huh.
0: and, and, uh, I'm well known in in the Christian community and conservative community. Matter of fact, there was a lady in our church that started the tea party years ago. I live in mission, which is a suburb of MacAllen. and mission. The, uh, Mission borders right on the river, the Rio Grande
1: River. So are you a native of Texas?
0: No, I'm a native of uh, Michigan, Flint,
1: Michigan. How'd you get down to Texas?
0: Well, I was a missionary in Mexico back in the 60s and then ended up staying here ever since 1966. We were back in Flint to get a job for uh, eight years and then moved back again. In seventy-eight,
1: I see. Are you bilingual?
0: Yes, I started churches in Mexico, and still have contacts three hundred miles south of here, a mile high
1: in the mountains. I see.
0: And I I support a, a pastor down there also.
1: Very good. Okay, so I thought that, as the expression goes, you have eyes on the ground. And when I originally contacted you about this issue, and would you be willing to be interviewed, you made a distinction between the responsibility and jurisdiction of civil government and the responsibility and jurisdiction of the people of God, the church. Would you sort of elaborate on that now for my audience?
0: Well, it's the duty of the government to protect its citizens first, and the government's not doing that. But it's my duty as an individual to be kind to the stranger in the land. We, we've we been passing out Gideon Bibles and tracts and books, uh, some of Gary North's uh, books, on uh, the one he wrote on, against uh, like socialism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a holding, a lot of holding tanks here. We've been going to one controlled, provided by the Catholic Church, across from the bus station downtown McAllen. And they've been allowing us to go inside and pass out Bibles and tracts and books each week. It's a touching situation when you see it face to face. A line of people come out the back door and go across the street and get on the bus to wherever they're being sent by the government. So they're rotating. And then you'll see a line come from the, the bus station across the street to, to this holding tank For the people, it brought tears to my eyes as they came out. And uh, they were so uh, humble and grateful to receive what we gave them. I know they've been suffering a lot, not just after they got here, but before they got here, they've gone through a lot. And I know some of them are being raped, and that the uh, cartel is uh, in cahoots. With the government, with our current government, and they're making big money off this. I've known years ago, even 20 years ago, I knew a person that was a coyote, and she was getting $30,000 a group,
1: small group. What purpose did she ever tell you?
0: Well, they have to pay a coyote to get across. They'll smuggle them across. And uh, at that time, I think it was $1,000 a person. Probably more than that now. I don't know. But I know that the cartels are taking advantage of them. They've got control of the business now. I don't think any coyote is going to do it on his own now. He's under the control of the cartels. Yeah. Cartels have been fighting each other for years just across. We have a, a city, Reynosa, across from McAllen, and it's uh, over a million people, large city. And they you can hear the gunshots quite often. It's calmed down recently. And same thing in Matamoros. That's across from Brownsville. It's uh, over a million people there. What it is, it's the uh, cartels fighting each other for control. And they've one cartel eventually got in control in Matamoros. So they are actually the government. So it, there was no more fighting then. I see. And uh, here in Reynosa, it's, it's two cartels against each other. I don't think either one of them has total control yet.
1: Could you give us a sense of the profile of the average person who's in these holding tanks and the people that you see getting on a bus? What's their sense of why they're there, and what's their hope for being there?
0: Well, you have children, you have women, and you have men. And their hope is survival, I think. So Evidently, would you say that the not-
1: caricature that we've seen is not reflective on your interaction, with most of these people?
0: Probably not. What, what uh, have you seen?
1: Well, what depending have, on been- if you think that the border should be totally open, you have people who say they just want to come in and make use of our welfare system. And, you know, so taxpayers are going to have to fund the health, education, and welfare of these people. And then there are others who will say, <laughs> No, no, these are just needy people who want the American dream. And very rarely does anybody actually talk about the cartels in a serious way that you just said were in cahoots with our government. So I think there's this sense of having this merge between what we should do and what's our proper response. Is it a proper response to hate these people? Obviously, from what you just said, your answer is no.
0: No, it's not. I mean, how can we be Christians? I have a a new church member who is a guy that's very conservative, and he's against these people coming into our country. I told him yesterday, you're a bigot, and you need to pray that God will give you grace to overcome that. And he's the type of a guy that he didn't get mad. (laughs) He said, uh, I know you said that it's the government's job to take care of immigration policy but it's the individual's job to be kind to the stranger in the land and he said I've I've thought about that and he said I think you're right (laughs) so he's growing and I think that there's a lot of that sentiment in America probably I don't see it much he's the only one I've seen it here with uh, I probably know of another one that has that attitude but they need the grace of God they need more grace Now, as far as open borders, the Bible is against that. God created nationalism at the Tower of Babel. A nation with no borders is not a nation. Every nation should have borders. And Trump was right. As far as uh, Mexico, they they put walls up also. And I've been told that the current president of Mexico is not happy with President Biden's policy. He and Trump had it under control. They're coming from Central America. Now, there are different opinions about Central Americans. I know Mexicans. Mex- Mexicans are workers. Oh, you have some that take advantage of the free stuff. But the Mexicans I know are the best workers in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've, I've seen them in person. We, had, we planted 10 oak trees on our property, and uh, it was a roofer's property before And in the back part of it, it was a big hole, 10 feet deep. And uh, every time he would do a roof, he would illegally dump all the shingles and metal and plastic back there. And it's about an acre. So we planted these oak trees. You should have seen that Mexican work. I mean, I wish I would have videoed it. It was unbelievable. He was going 100 miles an hour digging those holes through all that, those shingles and metal and plastic. I've seen them work. We just did a, a remodeling that cost a, over hundred thousand dollars, and uh, it was all Mexicans that did it. And we built a pavilion also out behind the church, and it was all Mexicans that did it. And they they really hustle and they really sweat and they really work. And I've had I used to have a window cleaning business for twenty some years, and I found out one thing: that the Mexicans I hired were a lot better than the Anglo's I, I hired.
1: Why do you think that is? As far as window cleaning? No, and and as far as a work ethic?
0: Well, because they want to survive. They want to survive. But I've heard the opposite about Central Americans, and I don't know if it's true or not. Now I do. It's building a house, and he has a a Central American working for him that is a worker. But I've had other contractors tell me that, uh, well, he's got two guys up in Iowa from Honduras And he'll give them a job to do, and he'll go away, and he'll come back, and they're just standing around and didn't do the job. He's a Mexican, but these two that he has working for him are Central Americans. And then I heard from a teacher in Honduras, a missionary who's married to a Honduran, and and she says that uh, they want to get paid, but they don't want to work, and they don't want to study either. Those are just feelings and hearsay.
1: Right, right. So I think you make a point regardless of whether or not other people's opinion are true, it's customary to assume that everybody from Latin America or Central America are exactly the same. Well, we wouldn't say that everybody from Montana is exactly the same as somebody from Mississippi. We would recognize differences and all that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I meant about a stereotypical caricature view, because it's then easy to polarize people between immigrants and non-immigrants, when really the target needs to be American policy of welfareism, which most definitely is not biblical from the civil government perspective.
0: Yeah, it's easy to be bigoted when you don't know the people, really. You just see them you know, from a distance. But we need workers. America, well, a guy told me the other day, he knows of a farmer up north that has acres of product growing and can't get workers to pick it. Mm-hmm. So he had to plow it all under. Wow. And I know wow. America, America is desperate for workers right now. We need a work program. The, the, the government, we got the Republicans against the Democrats and they can't agree on an immigration policy. Open borders. Of course, the Democrats want it because They want votes. They think they're going to vote for them. They're going to vote for socialism. But uh, we had a lot of Hispanics in this last election here in in the Rio Grande Valley. We had Trump trains every week with hundreds of people in the train that voted for Trump. These are Hispanics mostly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them were Democrats before, but they voted for
1: Trump. So how would you describe the people who are in your church? You said most of them are Hispanic, so I'm assuming they've come from out of the country. What What is it they believe? What is their religious views by the time they come to you?
0: Well, by the time they come to us, uh, first of all, they're conservative. They're all conservative. They all voted, voted for, for Trump. The other thing is that they 're reformed we 're getting young men that are really hungry for god 's word, and they 've discovered Calvinism on the internet, and they hear my radio spots and my radio spots are very conservative where I talk about god 's judgments. I start out the last one, the one is running right now has any Has anyone noticed that God might be mad? <laughs> And then I I start listing all of these judgments, uh, COVID, the the masquerade. And we had a hurricane last summer. There was a lot of damage, a lot of fences and trees and no electricity for days for many people. And then we had a freeze, which is very unusual for here that lasted for days. We had no electricity of many people. So uh, I list all the, these things, all these judgments from God, and of course nobody else does that. No other preacher does that. No church does that. Mm-hmm. Last time, nine mm-hmm. eleven, someone from San, Anton- San Antonio sent me uh, what every pastor big, of the big churches there had to say about nine eleven, and every single one of them said God didn't do that. But Amos. says, if there's calamity in the city, shall not the Lord have done it? Right. I think that's one of the the scriptures that I quoted in that radio spot. Of course, you only get one minute, you know.
1: Sounds like you do a lot with one minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those spots have really been effective.
1: You said that you know people who can't find workers and Isn't it sort of ironic that we've spent, since 1973 at least, and probably before that, but before it became quote-unquote legal, that we have killed millions who would then be part of a working base, a tax base. And so it's sort of inevitable that if you kill off the next generation, and I'll put generations, you're going to have a shortage of people to do work.
0: That's right. All yeah. these, all the uh, abortions. And of course, I believe that abortion is murder and should be outlawed.
1: Right. So when you engage with the people of your congregation, what is their view of open borders? What is their view of people coming in? Are they welcoming or are they not welcoming?
0: No, they agree with me. We should not have open borders. I mean, that's we've got to be a nation and a nation with no borders is no nation it's chaos but this these judgments are sent by god and so i teach them that uh, don't get frustrated don't start bitching complaining i mean one guy he's an older guy in an anglo a snowbird you know winter texan and uh, he was so frustrated He pulled up his shirt and showed me his back and he had shingles, severe shingles across his back. Mm -hmm. I said, buddy, you need to repent. You need to repent and trust in God. God is in control of all of this. And it's not doing you any good to be complaining and getting all frustrated about. You got to rest in God, the sovereignty of God. God is in control. So you need to rest in him. So he did. He repented. (laughs) He didn't get mad.
1: Hopefully his shingles went away.
0: Yeah, right. They right. they have cleared up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what caused it. I mean, he's so stressed out, he gave him shingles.
1: Right. So I'm thinking about Dr. Rushduni's book in his service, A Christian Call to Charity. And I've actually taught this book in classes in the past. And it's very interesting that halfway through the book is when he starts talking about poverty and charity because without a foundation of God's law, it's impossible to have a biblical view of the remedies to the problems. I think a lot of people feel that if they were gracious and kind to the people who were here, whether or not those people should be here, that they're sort of betraying the greater principle. But I think, as I've heard it said, there's a battle a spiritual battle over who is going to administer charity. And I think people need to view this battle. The state wants to be the source of charity, yet God doesn't give the state that jurisdiction. People should be able to, and are commanded by God, to share what they have. But when the state does it, that's outside its jurisdiction. And I think the biblical foundation of charity needs to be learned, or revisited if it had already been known but forgotten.
0: Yes, and uh, it is wrong to teach people that they need me or the government or anyone for their survival, i.e. salvation. It's wrong. You're not helping people to tell them that they need your help. You're belittling them. And this is what David Bonson said. When I read Tim Keller's book, because I'd heard him preach and I liked his preaching. So I read his book. It offended me. I grew up, my dad hauled coal for a living and came home black every day and never complained and never asked for help. He just worked 16 hours a day. And I did too. I've worked two, I've worked two jobs for over 20 years. I worked, I sold for Procter and Gamble for 19 years. And I cleaned windows uh, for more than 20 years at the same time. And before that, I worked two jobs. That's the way I was brought up. Never to ask, but to trust God. And to work. And work hard. And save. That's the way I was brought up. That's the way my dad was. My dad was an immigrant from southeast Missouri when the farming went bad back in the 30s. He and my mother uh, met in Flint, Michigan. They were both immigrants from down south. And they called us hillbillies because all of us uh, came poor, but all ended up prosperous. That's the way these Hispanics will end up. I know that's the way Mexicans have ended up. The ones that live here, the ones that have uh, gone north and are now citizens up in Iowa. And they were friends of mine from my missionary days, 300 miles south of here in Mexico. And they're prospering, they're citizens, they're workers. I hired one of them to work for me. Best worker I ever had. So you know the government is wrong. These socialists, these Marxists are wrong for teaching people that they need the government to save them. That's doing them harm and it's making them
1: losers. So I've heard people say they would like to make a meaningful contribution to reaching the people who are coming here. You know, there's two ways to look at missions. You can say, we need to send people to other countries to share the law and the gospel with them. But here we have people coming to us. So how do you think people should best deal with these immigrants if they happen to be being bused into their city?
0: Well, they need to be prepared to reach out to them like we are. Uh, We're just doing it on a, a small scale, But as one of my elders said, when his dad came across from Mexico, the first thing that happened to him is somebody gave him a Bible and he became a Christian. That's the introduction that these people should get to America. All the churches across America ought to reach out wherever these holding tanks are. Reach out to these people. Get the word of God to them.
1: Right, That's what changes people. How about you, Pastor? Do you is there anything people could do to help your efforts, or are you pretty much self sufficient with your congregation and the the ways you outreach?
0: We're we're self sufficient. Uh, we're very prosperous. We have $2 dollars million, $2 million worth of property and it's all paid for. We have no debts. Plus, we have money in the bank, and we help. We give to outlying. We tithe to outlying ministries, also we built a church over in Matamoros across the border uh, $110,000 and it's a nice little building and I've built other churches down in Mexico too so no we don't need any help the Gideon's Bibles uh, one of our deacons is uh, the president of the Gideon's here most of the Gideon's are old men and he's a young man and so I told the Gideon's I've got a man here that will volunteer and he's so he brings a a box of New Testaments to hand off in Spanish. So, no, we've got what we need here.
1: How about if people wanted to get some advice and guidance? Are you open to sharing how you've done, what you've done from the outreach, and even what you do on the radio? Sure. How would they yeah, reach you?
0: Can, they can call me or they can email me. Facebook's a good way to communicate. Okay. With message.
1: You're listed in, on Facebook. Give it how you're listed so they know they have the right Ron Smith.
0: Yeah, yeah, because there's another Ron Smith, now, a lot of Ron Smith. It's Ron Smith, I think, uh, from McAllen, Texas. Okay. Or Church of the King, McAllen. Also, uh, you could email me and, uh, at com. My uncle used to call me scrawny Ronnie. It's S-C-R-O-N-N-I-E.
1: at AOL.com. Scrawny at AOL.com. That's good. You're still using AOL. Not too many people use AOL anymore.
0: Well, that's because I've had it so many years. I see. I see.
1: Well, very good. Um, Anything else you'd like to share as a message to Christians, specifically in America, that's primarily the audience, exhorting them what you believe at this time God is opening up the doors for the church?
0: Yes, I believe God is going to use the Hispanics in the future in America. Maybe Hispanics can save America because they do, at least the Mexican Hispanics, have more conservative values, even though they vote for the Democrats. But as far as the the family, family values, and maybe they're not in as much contact with the uh, American media, (laughs) English media. But we we pray for revival. We pray for reformation, that there will be a mighty move of God. It's already stirring, but it's not very uh, big yet.
1: What about with education? Are you seeing Christian schools that are welcoming immigrants? Are any of these immigrants homeschooling?
0: No, they're not. We have a homeschool association at our church, Church of the King Homeschool Association. About 10 families. And they meet uh, together at the church on on Thursdays. And uh, the wives don't have to work, Uh, fortunately. uh, They've been blessed in that way. No, but, you know, that is a great need. Uh, I would like to see a Christian school for poor people.
1: Yes. I'm actually working on a pilot to see if we get Christians To understand their obligation, for example, in the poor tithe, which is outlined in the Old Testament for sure, but I'm not sure how many people know it. Just providing scholarship so that one child can go through a Christian education, because I'm with you. I find when I'm dealing with people from Mexico or other places in Latin America, they do share a lot of core values. It's just that they don't have access to education other than public schools, and they don't even have a real understanding of when they send their children to these public schools, those public schools are undermining the values that we have in common. So I do think that's the mission field in the future.
0: Yeah, and it's worse in Mexico. The public school system is it's worse than America. It's uh they make them depend on the government.
1: So I hope those who are listening If you have been burdened as to how God wants you to respond to current events, that Pastor Ron has given you some idea of what they did. And it's not grandiose in the sense that, you know, they're going to make a Hollywood movie out of it, but he's being effective and the members of his church are also being effective. And I think that's what we're basically called to do, to be faithful and God will produce the outcome.
0: Yes. Amen. That's a good description.
1: All right. Well, thanks for taking the time today. And uh, listeners, feel free to comment on this podcast, or if you have anything else you'd like to share. And do get in touch with Pastor Ron Smith, who's very willing to share his ideas and what they've done. Thank
0: you, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.